It's snacking and get cracking with a snack that packs a protein punch. Pistachios are known for their protein power, fiber, and better for you unsaturated fats for a combination that may help you keep feeling fuller longer. Wonderful Pistachios is a good source of protein with zero gill. Each one ounce serving has six grams of protein, giving you over 10% of your daily value. I love that they come in a variety of sizes and flavors, making this the perfect protein snack for any on-the-go adventure. Check out wonderfulpistachios.com to learn more about how these little green wonders can power up your day. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome back to the FlowTrack Podcast. FlowTrack Podcast at gmail.com. You can find the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, and wherever else you listen. Gordon, according to email inbox, we are we're big in Qatar. I got an email about that yesterday. It says, this is a very serious email and a very real email. Subject line, the FlowTrack Podcast is ranking very well in Qatar. So there we go. Who do you think is uh, Samba? Who's doing it? Who's who's, <laughs> yes. who's who's doing the listening? Definitely Samba, Barshim, all the friends that Lincoln and I met last year in in the country of Qatar. Um, no, I'm guessing this is a form email, and they just changed the country based on which podcast producers they're sending it to. You had a late night last night. Are you ready to do the I show? Did. I know you were up. You were all on Sixers Reddit last night. I'm assuming. Yes. So. For those who don't know, the NBA draft was last night, and there was a bunch of wheeling, dealing by my team, the Sixers. But here's the thing. The draft ended, right? And then there mm-hmm. was a press conference that I watched at midnight. So it was at 1 o'clock in Philadelphia, but I watched a press conference at midnight because I'm crazy. And then after the press conference, I waited for a podcast that I like listening to called The Rights to Ricky Sanchez, which is a podcast about Sixers processing and they recorded it and it didn't go up till 1 a.m. So then it's an hour long podcast. So of course I had to listen to that content right away. I couldn't wait till tomorrow. Uh, so I didn't finish that podcast till a little after two and then I went to bed. So wow, uh, that's a very common thing though. I have a weird situation where I go down crazy wormhole tunnels late at night where I'm just like, oh yeah, I'll start a podcast at midnight or like midnight 30 and it's like a three-hour podcast. I'm like, why did I do that? (laughs) Well, listen, I'm just surprised you watched a press conference because you've been to enough track and field press conferences to know the value of a press conference. Yeah, well, it was kind of fun. I'm not going to lie. So an NBA press conference, right? 
you feel like that's like the big dogs, right? I feel like I, I've been to, I think the most like nervous press conference I ever went to was in London, I think, when Usain Bolt was one of the main, uh, like the one of the main uh, people that were being interviewed. And it was big. It's London media. So there's like so many people there. It's not like mm -hmm. a small meet that you could just ask all the questions. So it's like one of my first one or two years at Flow, I'm sitting there and I'm like, I got to ask Usain Bolt a question. But like, I kind of felt intimidated because I was like, Ooh, people have these loud cameras that go flash, flash, and all these reporters with their notepads and they look like they're very important. But I was like, I have to ask Usain Bolt a question. I forget the question I asked, but I remember being super nervous about asking it because I was like, are they, am I allowed to? Like, I know I'm here. I know I'm media, <laughs> but like, are they going to let me ask Usain Bolt a question? You have like this yeah. like self like doubt. And uh, there was a kid who clearly I don't think was one of the part of the establishment Philadelphia media outlets because he went last. And yeah. he had like a very young voice. And you mm -hmm. could tell that like he was like, This is my big break. I get to ask Daryl Morey a question. And he asked him a legitimate question. So I mm -hmm. I kind of it reminded me of myself in being like year one or two at Flow Track when I was traveling Europe, being at these big Diamond League events and feeling like, Oh, do I belong here? And in the end you do. I mean, just because they're thirty five and not twenty five. Or forty-five and not twenty-five doesn't mean they don't have better that you don't have any better questions. So, yeah, that's how what I did... try to tie this whole thing to track and field. Is thinking about this NBA <laughs> press conference that I watched at midnight and comparing it to when I went to the London Diamond League. So, did did Bolt think Chez got robbed for the Bowerman too when you asked him? Oh, I th yeah, he probably did. No, I. Uh, I did ask him, so this wasn't at the press conference, but this was at the mix zone. And when you're in the mix mm -hmm. zone at London, it is crazy, especially for Bolt, because like everyone and their mom is there. And you know he doesn't have much time because he has to stop multiple times. And what is Usain Bolt going to say in year 12 of his career after a random right, Diamond right. League event, right? He's, he's said everything. He's, what new question can you ask? Yeah. And I was like, Screw it. I'm not going to ask him how his race was or how are you prepping for worlds. I'm going to ask a stupid-ass question. And I told the people around me, hey, I'm going to ask a really stupid question. And they're like, all right. <laughs> and so I did. And I asked Usain Bolt, uh, do you play Pokemon Go? And he looked at me like, what? And he's like, nah, and walked away. And that was the headline. <laughs> Usain Bolt does not play Pokemon Go. Because yeah. I don't know if you know this, but during the summer of 20. Oh, man, it was 15, wild. It was everywhere. It was everywhere. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I had asked Usain Bolt if he plays Pokemon Go, and he does. He did not. Give me a good One more facial thing reaction. So, yeah, yeah. So no, you, you, you bring up a good point. I never was at – I never covered a meet with Bolt. So obviously he's at an order of magnitude so much bigger than everybody else. But it is funny when you go to – like an Olympic trials or, or a high level meet, right? Where there is somebody who is a star and there's all this jockeying to try to get in position to, to talk to them. And you've probably heard it. Sometimes people get a little chippy when people swing a camera around and almost hit somebody, people start yelling, but there's, when you realize the person's not going to stay for very long, 
there's no incentive to follow the rules of like, oh, let's let this first person ask or the person closest to them ask the question. So it just devolves into random shouting. And then it also devolves into who can yell the question like the soonest from when the person turns the corner and who can come up with like the shortest question. So I remember one time it was like with Gatlin one year at the Olympic trials, it was just like people would yell, what's your message to you saying? It's like, that was it. That was the question. Cause they were just trying to get some sort of like two second reaction from Gatlin or somebody. It's like, well, that's not a, like that, what? He just ran a semifinal or something or a quarterfinal. There's no, there's no new message to you saying both after the second, but the, the level of questioning just like drops, like the higher profile the athlete gets. It's an interesting phenomenon that I, that I discovered. Uh, there's like a couple of other elements to the mix zone that's kind of funny. You have the one person in the mix zone who everyone's like, he or she doesn't know that they just ask really bad questions and everyone is kind of mm -hmm. like dreading that they get time because they, they know they ask like a long-winded question that yeah. really doesn't matter and you know they're just eating up seconds of the whole because everyone's like, damn mm -hmm. it, like, man, yeah. like you're just, you're just chewing, up, chewing up the clock. But I do yeah. know... One of our former colleagues, James Cameron, we loved him in the press conference in the in the mix zones because he kind of was very like did not care. And I remember there's two moments when the he asked the same question and it became a meme with internally between the staff where he would just ask the question, How was your race? Because it's such mm -hmm. like a basic question and like yeah very like you know like and it's it's very like basic question right that's like kind of asked every time it kind of becomes old news because everyone asks how was your race right and so i think gail and rupp came into the mix zone and it had just been during like the whole salazar report coming out and all this stuff yeah so like Everyone had like legitimate, like non race questions. No one cared mm -hmm. about his race. Like, everyone cared about him to comment on the news. And mm -hmm. James is the first person to get in there and he just goes, How is your race? And everyone was just like, It was just like Galen's eyes like lit up because he's like, Oh shit, this is awesome. I get to tell people how my race was and then I get to kill like 45 seconds of the time. And then there was so another was time where. He's joking, but he's also just like, yeah, he's joking. But it also, okay. you, get, you get an answer out of it. It's like a joke that yeah, kind of yeah. plays both sides of the coin. And then there's another one when uh, Yomif Kajelcha, who speaks no English, especially early on. Yeah. He, he came, this is when he had a big breakout at Pre. He comes in and he has no English. And he's, oh, going I was to there this for this. Zone. Yeah. I was there for and this. I is think, this 2014? And I think James goes, okay. How was your race? And he's just like, it was like awkward silence. He doesn't even answer the yeah. question. I don't know. We, yeah. we love James Cameron to death. And whenever he would, we love putting him in mix zones because he would, he would just turn them into like entertainment, especially within mm -hmm. the media for us. We're like, this is fun. Because yeah. when you ask the same athletes, the same questions over and over, and over for multiple years, eventually you start turning it into a game to entertain yeah. yourself at least. Well, this past summer, after the Salazar news happened, midway through the World Championships, that was the main question that 
everybody had for pretty much every distance athlete because especially American based because either they were part of the group, they used to be part of the group or they were competing against the group. But nobody wanted and I don't blame them because I didn't do this either. I don't want to hit them with that first question after a race to be, uh, you know, I want to give them some uh, like a warm up basically. So that way we can get the best answer. But it was always this weird thing of how many non Salazar questions are we going to do before someone jumps into the pool and then eventually does it. And then there was, there would be a pivot. And then once there's a pivot, you can't go back to that. You can't go back to how was your race when you're talking about a coach being banned from the sport. It's just, it's going to go down that direction and that's going to run out the clock. So everybody was like tiptoeing and trying to figure out when the, uh, the proper time was uh, to throw it in there. I, I was watching to take this back to the NBA draft because that's what the main focus uh, of, of how we started the show NBA week I, on flow track. NBA week. I thought the questions last night to the families or to the players would have been better directed to the parents. Did you feel that way too? Because the parents are the one that they have this interesting story of they worked two jobs and helped get them to this point or they were a former NBA player. The kids are mostly just sobbing and sort of in shock that they realized their dream. And the questions they would get was would be like, what are the Knicks getting with your skill set. It's like, and he's crying. I don't know. Like, he's not going to talk about his outside game right now. It's like, well, it's more of an emotional feel good thing than, than sell yeah. yourself. I thought the parents, the parents or the, the brother, the sister or something would have more to say. Yeah. I feel like it's a lose, lose situation for post draft interviews. Like you're, it, you're trying to get something, like but you know, they're not, too. yeah, you have 10 seconds. So it doesn't back to one last thing about interviews. You talk about how, like in Qatar, you'd wait to talk about the Salazar news. And then once you're in that world, you can't go back to like talk about the right. tactics of. Yeah. Who's not really. Doesn't really know track. And it is really there. on go the back beat. To the beginning. Go back. Go back What's a that? second. I think we lost. Oh, so you there. You, I want to hear the whole story. Yeah. Yeah. So you, you mentioned how in Doha, when you're trying to get the Salazar questions in, once you start asking the athletes about Salazar, you can't mm -hmm. go back to just asking about the race, right? Right. right. And so, you, once you go, you're you're in it, right? But I do remember mm -hmm. in certain mix zones where there is that one reporter who only really cares about asking about like the uh, the city, you know, like what's it like yeah, to yeah, be yeah. in the city of Albuquerque or whatever, yeah. and like. So we could be in the middle of asking like a legitimate question to one of the top athletes about a, a serious issue. And then mm -hmm. in the middle of it, just like, hey, so uh, do you, what's your favorite restaurant in Albuquerque? And we're like, God damn it. <laughs> like, dude, we're in the middle of like finding out something serious about an injury or, or serious yeah, about yeah. some tactic. And he's just like, hey, do you, do you, <laughs> what hotel are you staying in? And we're like, okay. Yeah. Well, we I, this guy uh, yeah. Well, there's also the people who are from prestige outlets, big time papers, who are writing a story on some larger, much, much larger thing. Maybe it's about shoes. Maybe it's about the bidding of the games or something like that. Or it's it's some very interesting thing, but it's very specific. And they're asking every single athlete that same question. Those also jump in there and 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 disrupt the flow a bit too the other thing i remembered from doha too what people would try to do some people would come in and be like all right i'm not answering any questions about x so then it just becomes a challenge to figure out hey, how you ask about x 
And then with one athlete in particular, I remember they said they weren't going to talk about it. And then four or five questions later, it was almost like we pretended that the person didn't say that. And then they jumped right back in <laughs> with questions about it. And they ended up answering them. So never hurts to ask. They can always say no. Never hurt. I guess that was the moral of the story. Yeah. Yeah. The question that this new kid asked in the press conference at 1230 at night, you know, <laughs> he did ask uh, now that the Sixers got rid of Al Horford and they were all about trying to protect Joel Embiid by signing 30 power forwards, power forwards and centers. Now they're going to the other route with like, hey, let's get shooters. Maybe that will work, which it will. Uh, yeah. He asked uh, what, who, what's, who's going to play behind Joel Embiid and – he had a, like a – it was a good question. Like, yeah, who will play behind Joel Embiid now they got rid of Al Horford? I don't know. Right. I know most people don't care about the minutia of the 76ers 2021 roster, but, hey, yeah. it kept me up till 2.30 last night. I'm on cloud nine. I'm excited for basketball, man. December 22nd, can't get here soon enough. The, mm-hmm. the low that I was in with getting swept by Boston is now completely gone. I'm back on a high, back on the high. So, okay. Well, so the the theme, the theme for today's show is four events in track and field that will happen before the NBA season starts. So we're going to talk about these four events we go. that are coming this up. So keep me going. Gonna, we will do them in chronological order. We'll start first with an event that's coming up this Monday. You can watch it live on Flow Track, the Updog 10-miler Gordon where Kira D'Amato is going to be going for the women's only 10-mile record which is 52-12. We talked about her earlier in the week, how she's had just this fantastic 2020, has put up scintillating times all across the board, got some victories over big names. She's going to be racing against Molly Seidel, among others, in this race. Uh, What do you think of her chances of running 52-12 or better? I have no idea. I do not know the minutia of 10 mile records. I don't know how to project what a good 10 miler is. You know, my brain really <laughs> only thinks 5K, 10K, half marathon, marathon increments. So to ask me for mm-hmm. a 10 mile increment, I really have no idea. Like, I don't, I'm assuming the record's soft because it's a, an event that's run very rarely and it's, a record that has to also be a women's only run race, which also happens mm-hmm. even more rare. So I think she'll get it, but I also could be completely wrong. I don't know. What is a 52-12? Like, is that good? I don't know. Yes. There's, well, there's a lot of records out there that are records, but they're also kind of just like weak-ass records. So is this a weak-ass one, or is this a legit like one like the 10K or 5K on the women's side? Let me break it down for you this way. Gordon, she ran 68.57 this year in the half marathon. That's 5.15 pace. 52.12 is 5.13 pace. So she only needs to run two seconds faster per mile for 3.1 fewer miles. So, yeah. So she's going to do it. Yeah. So 50.50, Kara Goucher has run 50.59 in route. So on a, in a longer race, she went through 10 miles in 50.59 which would be a minute and 13 seconds faster than this. I looked up Molly Huddle's best time. It's a 51.44, so I'm assuming that was done in a mixed gender race here. So 
5212. So, so there's I, all these. Do so wait. There's all of these women who are American who have run faster than 5212, yet this is a record attempt. That's how stupid our sport is. I'm sorry. But like, <laughs> it's not a record. If like, there, if you just could list off the top of your head, oh yeah, Kara Gauchas run faster. Molly Seidel's run faster. She's in this race. My huddle. But she's run huddle, faster. Huddle. Oh, Molly Huddle has run faster. But like, so then how is this a record attempt? And that just shows the stupidness of women's only. Women's only. Women's only. You gotta remember that. Okay, look it. Think of it this way. Think of it this way. I'm gonna I'm gonna sell you on this event. It's just another chance to see Kira D'Amato run, to see how good she is this year, and to talk about her yeah. as a potential Olympian next year. Ten miles should be in her sweet spot based on what she's done in the half, based on what she's run in the five K this year. I want to see how long. She can keep this going. This has been a dream season for her. Now, it's a weird year to have a dream season, but if she keeps going like this, she's going to lock it in and it's going to become a trend here. Um, her confidence has to be at an all-time high because she's just hitting fast time after fast time and she's running with and beating people who have impressive credentials. So I think she's going to break this mark, 52-12. I think she's going to go under... 52 minutes and you can talk about how it's not as impressive as some of the other women who have covered 10 miles faster because that was in a co-ed race and not a single gender race but just add this to the long list of kira damato's 2020 accomplishments and if it's the last thing she does in the year she's going to enter 2021 in such a remarkable position to potentially get a get a good uh get a spot in the olympic team in the in the 10,000. So I just don't understand how we need to sep how we need to separate records if it's not in a, if it's a co-ed race versus single gender gender race yet mm -hmm. we just went this entire year celebrating records that had mm -hmm. robot human combined race aka wave light technology like mm -hmm. we're, we're like it's okay to have a light pace you for the entire race but if someone who happens to not to be your gender happens to be in your race like it doesn't count it's stupid it makes no sense okay all right so i'm not selling you on that one on the four races before the nba season starts so i'll go to the next one the next well, one is going to be one one last thing though why is it called the up dog 10 miler you never tells an up you never seen the office is that oh what's up dog that's basically what it is yeah. Are they trying to get us yeah. to, to walk into the joke of what's up, dog? And then be like, hey, it's a yeah. it's a 10 miler? I don't know. She picked the name. I, apparently she likes puns. So okay. if you if, if you're going for the record, you get to pick the name of the race in, in, in the year 2020. That's the rule, I guess. Okay. Let's move forward. December 4th and 5th. Now this has another this is another meet that has an interesting name. It's called the track meet. And it's taking place in California. 5Ks and 10Ks aplenty here. Now, your eyes are probably on the second fastest heat of the men's 5K because that features Nico Young, who you apparently think is worth trading a ham sandwich for in your trade uh, discussion yesterday with Lincoln, which both of you guys somehow simultaneously undersold Nico Young and Connor Mance at the same time. But anyway, I'll leave that to yesterday's episode. Hey, uh, come like on. All trades... You never get full value for a trade, right? That's how it works. You got rid of Kawhi Leonard and you got DeMar DeRozan. It's not it's not a fair trade, okay. but that's just what it is. For, first of all, too soon. I don't appreciate that. 
Second of all, you're like Nico Young for some guy I never heard of and another guy who got like ninth like a couple of years ago. Like, no, you, no. You, Mance for Young. That's it. That's the trade. If you're Mike Smith, you don't take anything less than Connor Mance. That's it. If, I, I if I'm BYU, I make that trade in a heartbeat. You just basically yeah, well, extend Connor Mance's career by four more years. So, like, yeah, yeah. do it. But, yeah. Anyway, okay. So, the the let me run through some of these names, though. And you can tell me if, if the Nico race is the one you're most looking forward to or if it's something else. So, in the in the men's 10,000, you have Edward Cesarek. You have Leonard Career. You have Pat Tiernan. You have Hassan Mead. You have Ben True. You have Tyler Day. The list goes on and on. Eric Jenkins is in there as well. Morgan McDonald. The women's 10K uh, is solid too. You have, let's see. Well, you have Kira D'Amato who's in there, so I guess she's not ending her season <laughs> with the updog 10-miler. You have Natasha Rogers, Alicia Monson, and Aurora who just signed with BAA. Uh, Laura Thweet, Kellen Taylor, uh, Steph Bruce, Wayne Kalati. I mean, this is a this is a this is a stacked stacked race. And the five k, um, Drew Hunter and Sam Parsons are in there, along with Luis Grijalva and Ben Blankenship in the fast heat. Uh, and then the women's fast heat of the five thousand has Kim Conley, Stephanie Garcia, oh, Alicia Monson has entered there as well too. Maybe she's going to do the the one day double. Um, Okay, so what do you what? That's a lot. That's a lot of names, and it's almost overflow because 2020, we can't process that deep of a race. So, what are you thinking about this meet? I think the men's Who are you looking 10K. Forward to the men's 10K, I think, is the most interesting race because if you look at that field, that is basically the Olympic trials field minus Shadrach and Lopez. Like, I don't think there's anyone else mm. who is a good contender who is not in that field. Outside of those two guys, right? I mean, because you have Career, True, Mead, Day, you know, all the people, right? So I think that race is going to be a great kind of what's it called? Like, uh, what's the uh, uh, uh test, not test? No, I forget the word. Run Sorry. Through. No, prelude. It's a litmus test, maybe? Litmus? Litmus uh, test. I don't know. Yeah, maybe. Uh, so, but basically, whoever wins that race is going to be favored to be third at the trials, which I think would be kind of interesting because basically the order of that finish is how we're probably going to project the order of trials. Again, obviously, some it's not going to be one for one, exact same order, but I do think the hierarchy that come out of this race will look at these are the main like whoever finishes top four in this race will be like those are the four plus Lopez plus Shadrach. Those are the six who are competing for the final three spots. That's what I think. Well, there's not a lot of 10Ks, so I think you're right. We're going to put exactly. more weight onto yeah. this one than we normally would. Did I even mention Did I mention Sam Chalanka is in there as well too? There's a lot of international athletes in here as well. So if you're looking at it from that perspective, you know, Morgan McDonald, is he thinking of dipping his toe in the 10K long term? I'm interested to see that question. Um, but And Jenkins, like Jenkins for the U.S., is Jenkins a future? 10,000-meter guy? Or is I he going to try to double his chances, basically, to make the team? Yeah, I think every 5,000-meter guy is a 10,000-meter guy on Olympic years, right? They all mm -hmm. just try to double their chances. Mm -hmm. So, Okay, do you want to talk about 
Nico Young in the second fastest heat, the sub thirteen thirty. He a time that I said he could hit this year, and you laughed at me like last week. So jokes on you, Gordon. Because everybody knows if you're in that heat, you run that time. There's never been anybody who doesn't <laughs> run the time. I mean, I'm excited. Right? Will be interesting to see if he does indeed uh, flirt with that uh, U.S. junior record, which what we figured out was thirteen twenty eight, right? I thought you said so 26, but you could be 26. right. Just under 1330. Um, with the pace of 1330, you assume that he's probably going for it. Um, he wouldn't, If he was trying to run 1345, he probably wouldn't be in this race. He's trying to right. be up there and try to run a, a quick time. Uh, yeah, I think in general for NAU, they're trying to have two great performances. I think Luis Gorhalva is trying to go for maybe the NCA record because he's in a 13-15 race. And then mm-hmm. Nico Young trying to go for the U.S. junior record. So I think maybe this was the carrot that Mike Smith gave his top two athletes. It's like, hey, we don't have NCAAs, but hey, maybe we can put our names on the record books. We're fit. Let's train for this peak in December, early December. So uh, as for whether they do it or not, I don't know. 13.25 is the mark. 13.25. As for whether they do it or not, Nico, I'm probably – I mean, I'll, I'll hedge that they're both likely not to do it because, you know, it's a crazy time. The training's been crazy. Like, it's kind of mentally crazy. Like, there's not a lot of, like – you know, things are just scrambled up with that way you approach a year with the, the, the typical peaks and valleys of training um, mm-hmm. that to just expect – perfection in these races of like hey all these athletes are just going to come out and they're just going to rip incredible prs in every single race mm-hmm. you know there's a lot of factors there's a lot of mental factors of are we wow do, you know down, no, talking down nico young this is not a plot twist i saw coming no i could see nico go up there and run like 13 35 and it's like that's still an incredible time and a huge yeah. pr and it sets him up well but like, just to put the pressure of like, yeah, I think the over under is thirteen twenty five. That's stupid. The over under should be like thirteen thirty five. If I'm a betting man, you know. Okay, like, but he can still do it. He can still go yeah, sub thirteen thirty. Like I said, I, and and for the record, I didn't say he was going to hit it in December. I said he was going to hit it before next July. So if he, yeah, if he's under thirteen thirty five, I think it's bodes incredibly well for what he's going to do next year yeah with a full with a full with a full slate of races because you brought up they did what a one-time trial but he paced it he didn't even run it all the way through he did a workout yeah so i don't even know how sharp he is but you know what nico don't listen to gordon let your wings fly out there man go and go and do it deliver it okay two more races to talk about here before the nba season starts Valencia Marathon, Sunday, December 6th, live on Flow Track, featuring Gordon Jordan Hase, who will be racing uh, her first marathon since the Olympic trials. And look, given the situation in the world right now, who knows when the next chance she will get to run a major marathon. We know all the spring ones have been pushed to the fall. She did not qualify for the Olympics. So this is an opportunity she's going to want to take full advantage of. And I like Hase in this position because she comes in 
with virtually very little pressure. This isn't a Boston where she's the featured athlete, Chicago, um, where all eyes are on her. Her 220.57 is the eighth best PR in this entire field. It is that deep. Also in this field is Jocelyn Jepkoskai, who is a New York City Marathon champion. So if you are ranking these by PRs and major accomplishments, you know, Hase is, is well down on the list, which I think is a good position to be in after coming off of that high-pressure situation from the trials. I don't know how healthy she is, but this is, again, a rare opportunity to compete in a marathon right now. What do you see as her kind of over-under for, for this race in Valencia? Well, before I get to that, I want to pose a question. So I kind of look at Jordan Hesse and Galen Rupp kind of in the same uh, timeline, right? They both Salazar athletes, both went to Oregon, and both have incredible uh, like media coverage of them compared to their competitors. Like even when like, when they lose, the media asks them about them losing. They don't ask the other person about them winning, right? Because they, from basically, I mean, Jordan was doing it in high school, going to the mm-hmm. trials. Galen was doing it in high school. Like, it was just always about them. And whenever they go to a race, the race does, doesn't does become, it's not the race. It becomes the Jordan Hase attempt, the Galen Rupp attempt, right? Yeah. Uh, and I feel like, if every time you're racing on U.S. soil, like there's just like so much spotlight, I feel like maybe eventually it can kind of like when you have that constantly, and then you're able to go yeah. to a race yeah. overseas where you're gonna have none of it, where you're just gonna be a you're she's just gonna be another runner. No one is gonna ask her for long interviews. No one is gonna put a camera in her face right after she finishes the crosses the finish line. She's not going to, have to do long press availability, this, and the other. I think the reason why Galen Rupp ran his fastest time in Prague, and I think the reason why Jordan is just trying to go to Valencia to run this time, is I think it's like a, a way of, you know, escaping the world that they've been in for their entire uh, running career and be able to just only think about running and not have to think about I am Jordan Hesse. I need to do what people expect Jordan Hesse to do. She could be like, mm-hmm. hey, I'm just going for a run. I think Galen, same way. He can just be Galen Rupp and not have – he can just be himself and not have to be the Galen Rupp with the Nike logo and all that good stuff. So I think, like you said, this is a great environment for her to be just away from everything. Uh, the same way it was a great environment for Galen. That's where he ran his PR in Prague mm-hmm. overseas. And I think she can run fast. I think – she wouldn't. She wouldn't do it if she wasn't healthy. She's probably healthy, right? She just ran a half marathon, mm-hmm. uh, and yeah, I think she's gonna run well. And I think a big factor is she gets to like be by herself. I mean, mm-hmm. imagine if you're like Justin Bieber, and everywhere <laughs> you go, there's paparazzi at, taking pictures mm-hmm. of the salad that you chose to eat that day, or if you pick your nose, someone is gonna find it, right? Uh, and then Justin Bieber probably loves it when he gets to just go to like a foreign country on an island where there's no one knows he's there and he'd just be like another dude, right? 
Mm-hmm. I mean, Dave Chappelle did that. Didn't he like go to Africa for like a year or two where mm-hmm. you just be another dude? I feel like mm-hmm. these runners just want to be another runner. They don't want to be the poster boy, poster girl. They just want to be another runner. And the only way you can do that is by going to a country that doesn't speak your language and just like hang out, you know, just hide in the pack, fit, cross the finish line and see what happens. Uh, you didn't answer my question, but you did compare Jordan Hesse and Galen Rupp to Justin Bieber. So I will give you a pass on that one. Let's go to the final event that we're going to talk about today, which would just I think be going to run well. Two day- <laughs> well, I think the course is fast enough. The only thing that gives me pause is that 74-minute half marathon that we cheated recently. But we've seen time and time again, sometimes people are just training through those half marathons, and they are not indicative of what they can do for the for the full marathon. I would be surprised if she ran a PR, but I think she can definitely run in the 222 range for sure. Okay, last event. Are you ready for this one? This one is just two days before the NBA season kicks off. December 20th, the Marathon Project in Arizona on that loop course is supposed to be fast. This women's field is pretty stacked. You could argue that you have four of the top eight women's marathoners in the country with Sarah Hall, Kellen Taylor, Emma Bates, and Steph Bruce. Also in the field is Etsede Baisa of Ethiopia, Rachel Cliff of Canada, Diane Nakuri of the U.S. And then on the men's side of things, you have four men with sub-210 personal bets, Cam Levin, Scott Fobble, Juan Antonio Uribe Marino, and Emmanuel Massell of Eritrea. Um, to me, to me, the most interesting person running in this race, the most interesting storyline is Sarah Hall seeing if she can follow up her London Marathon with another another impressive showing. Yeah, Sarah loves to run races. This is what she did yes. last last year or two years ago, where after running, didn't she run? What did she run in after running Berlin? Didn't she run like two marathons? Or what, what was her like crazy schedule? Did she run New York or Chicago? She ran New York, right? Um, but then she also ran here. I'll look at it right now. Pulling up right now. So last year she ran. Berlin on September 29th. Well, she ran a 20K on September 2nd. Then she ran a the marathon in Berlin on September 29th, 222. Then she ran a road 10 mile. See, road 10 mile is a key, Gordon. In 5311 on October the 6th. And then she ran New York, which was a DNF on November the 3rd. So she is racing early and often of course as i mentioned we just saw her in london on october 4th so another quick turnaround here let's see what's october 4th to december 20th how many days is that october 4th to december 20th days is 77 days apart i mean when did the nba finals end Is she following the NBA schedules? Is that what you're saying? I mean, the NBA the NBA finals ended October 11th. Wow! So basically, she's she's on the LeBron, she's on the LeBron LeBron uh, timeline where uh, (laughs) you finish the finals and then end of December you start up again. So I think if Sarah runs, maybe this is our this is our way to know if Sarah runs well. That means the Lakers and Miami are going to have a good season. If Sarah doesn't run well, that means the Lakers and Miami are not going to have a good season. 
So you said they ended October 11th? Yeah. But they did play game three on October 4th. They did play game three on October 4th. So they're going to have a 72-day break. The Lakers are. And Sarah Hall is going to have a 77-day break. (laughs) But I will posit this. Running a marathon, a little bit more taxing than an NBA game. So what about an NBA who knew? series? Who knew? Well, you're right. That is, that's a little more draining. And especially last year being in the bubble, but I did not expect to draw that parallel there between Sarah <laughs> Hall and LeBron James. And I'm hoping or she's hoping that that, that that continues, right? Cause she did have a LeBron James type performance in, in London. So she, her, her fall was similar to LeBron James's fall. Now we'll see if her winter will be similar to, to his as well. So I'm excited about, about seeing what she, what she puts up there. I love it that she's racing so often now. It's pretty cool. Yeah. And I have no idea what type of times we're going to see. Um, it's just so hard to know, especially, like I said, during COVID, you just don't know the mentality, the mentality of these athletes, the training plan, like how much time they take off, this, that, the other thing. It's just so unusual that it's hard to kind of cookie cutter the formula of this will eventually lead to this. It's just so hard to under- to know who's good mm-hmm. right now because yeah. people's resumes are so old now, right? It's going to be really hard for N- – when I think about like NCAA projecting and stuff like that, mm-hmm. I'm trying to think about who's going to be good at the NCAA indoor championships. I have no idea because I'm trying to – Am I just going to assume that, like, the last NCAA champion is currently the the favorite? I mean, the last NCAA champion was spring of 2019. So how am I supposed to assume that, like, the spring of 2019 champion is the favorite in March of 2021? So, Well, here's uh, the thing, too. Yeah. Here's something that we forget, and I remember this very distinctly because I wrote the women's preview for the indoor meet that didn't happen. That meet was supposed to be about clarifying who some of the top dogs were because there was a lot of big names that were lost to graduation and on the men's sprints as well too. So it was already murky to begin with and then you don't have the championship and then you have a year go by and there's going to be a lot of wild guesses, I think, when it comes to actual projections about who will do well. You you brought up one point. We, We can close on this. You say you don't know, you know, what type of shape people are in, but we do know people are having good years because they've been popping up, they've been racing. Chapta guy breaks world records. Safan yeah. Hassan does well. Carson Warholm, Kira D'Amato, New Star, everybody breaking out. I'm waiting for next year to hear for some from some people who we didn't hear from at all this year, who they show up at a meet and maybe they run well, maybe they don't, but they're like, Man, I was in horrible shape last year. I just <laughs> basically gave up. <laughs> I ate I ate the entire month of April and most of May, and I'm just glad that they didn't have the Olympics. We don't know who those people are, right? You don't yeah. know who they are. But maybe maybe we'll. Ne- but I feel like we're only going to know who those people are if they do well in 2021 because they're not going to want to admit it. It's like it makes them look good if they're be like, yeah, I gained like 40 pounds and now I'm an Olympic champion. Look at me. You know, it's going to be one of those like. Do you think anybody will just They're disappear? only going to tell you if they do well. Do you think anybody will just like, we just won't hear from them again? Like 2019 was their last year and they were planning on coming back in 2020. But since it didn't happen, they just sort of 
fade out? Maybe that could be like the one go-to question we can ask in the mix zone at the 2021 trials is like ask him about their 2020 uh, habits. Be like, mm-hmm. I don't know. Uh, how, like first question, how out of shape were you a year ago? <laughs> yeah, yeah. That'd be funny. How get about James how was your race? We'll, we'll, yeah, we'll get James Cameron to ask that question for us. <laughs> I I think it's true. I mean, and that's what the funny thing was about those mandatory meets that Nike had people do, because at least they had to show up and put on a uniform and run. But if you're running 11 seconds in 100, they could do that in their sleep. So that doesn't really – I mean, you know Michael Norman's in shape. But some of those sprinters, they could say, oh, I'm just chilling. But they also could just be in horrible shape. And the 11-second 100 and the 51-second 50, 300 is a good way to hide it. I don't know. It'll be yeah. It'll be it'll be interesting to see. Well, we'll leave it there. Well, Sean Merritt impressed Lincoln enough that he would trade <laughs> for him right now. It makes no sense at all. You guys got to listen to yesterday's podcast. It was a great pod. One of the best. It was top, a great, definitely I was, in top ten range. I was yelling. I wanted to be on it midway through. I was like, why can we not make this a three the three person <laughs> pod? Because you guys were being you guys are being too nice to each other. On these on these trades, yeah, Lincoln was like accumulating like two thousand four all stars on his team. Yeah, <laughs> it just made no. Well, sense. maybe we do this. Maybe we uh, do another pod with maybe you and me, and we just do a legit negotiation where we figure out a way that basically we you are BYU. We, we did this before, like an NCAA. You're you're Ed Eyestone, and I'm Mike Smith, and we both just mm-hmm. have a negotiation to try to make our roster better, and we see. Who does? And then who, who ask the fans, out. like, who created who created a better roster? I do think this, though. I do think when it comes to these future scholarship slots, I think you guys were overvaluing those, the tad. Because well, we does Mike have, Smith like, need more scholarship? Does Mike Smith need more scholarship slots, though? Or does that Iso Like, Ed Iso's going to get the best kid at American Fork for now until eternity, right? And Mike Smith's going to always get now you could always use another scholarship because you know maybe you get the all of the top five of Foot Locker, but I think at a certain point there's there's diminishing returns there because people are going to want to go to a place where they can be a star. Yes, and, but we wanted to be able to create what would be a first round pick, you know, because it can't just be purely assets. We have to have future assets and. Scholarship I mean, slots. You should have thrown cash more in there. Cash because it's like double A. You should have thrown a lot of cash. In. Okay, maybe I'll change it to cash. Yeah, that was <laughs> I a just, idea. yeah, I liked I liked the slots that you did when you did the Jerry thing of the future fifteen hundred meter champion because then it's like solidified in your mind of like okay, yeah, the next the next two we know that they're good because if you win the NCAA fifteen hundred, you have to be you have to be pretty good and then that's value you're getting. But like if he's already getting Nico, it's tough. Um, yeah. But yeah, I I was laughing hysterically when Lincoln was just piling up all sorts of uh, expiring contracts on his t- on his team. <laughs> I was like, what's he going? And for? he was trading it, and he's trading for for like Grant Fisher. It's like, I mean, if you're gonna play this game, Gatlin <laughs> for Grant Fisher, like this I don't think either trade. side is making. Yeah, I don't think either side is making that that deal, right? Like, what's the? Yeah. I don't know. It was, and he's like looking it up too. He's like, hold on, hold on. Okay. All right. He's like typing into the trade machine and then he comes back with this magical trade. And it's like, like LaShawn Merritt, dude. Oh my God. <laughs> anyway, uh, listen to the pod. It. It's a good pod. We uh, yeah. simulate NBA trades in the track and field world. So 
Email yeah, us, flowtrackpodcasts at gmail.com. Like and subscribe. Should I say that? We're not on YouTube, but mm-hmm. uh, just listen to us, watch us, have fun with us. You can subscribe to the YouTube page. There's a lot of videos going up on our YouTube channel. People could go there to you that. Go do that. Subscribe to YouTube. All right. There we go. We'll talk to you guys tomorrow. Later.